Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. I'm Julia LaRoche, and I sat down with Howard Schultz, the executive chairman of Starbucks. Here's the full audio. Hope you enjoy. In the U.S., there are currently 4.9 million 16 to 24-year-olds who are not in school and they're not working. We're at the Opportunity Fair in Washington, D.C., and we're joined by Starbucks Executive Chairman Howard Schultz. Howard, thank you so much. Thank you for covering this. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So this is an incredible event that you all are putting on, this huge job fair, more than 5,000 people here. I took a walk around earlier. I noticed that you have some great resources including some resources dedicated to DACA-related services. Now, I'd like to get your thoughts on what do you think of President Trump's efforts to unwind DACA, and what does this say about us as a country? Well, I appreciate the question. Let me, if I can, frame why we're here today, and then I'll come to that. Uh, as you said, there's almost 5 million young people in America who are not in work and not in school. Uh, many of them are African-American, Latino. Uh, they have no access to the American dream and the promise of the country. And we've been doing these job fairs now for over a couple of years. This is our sixth one. Uh, over 5,400 kids signed up to come here. We've got 40 like-minded companies. And in the few years we've been doing this, Starbucks has hired over 40,000 kids. The companies that we have joined us have hired over 100,000. Uh, so that's the good news. But the bad news is we have a lot of work to do where these kids are being really being left behind. With regard to DACA, I would say this. Um, in my view, the, the country is in need of a cultural, a moral, and an economic transformation. And uh, what I really believe is that uh, we are in great need of compassion and empathy. Um, there certainly is a need for border security and border control. I understand that. Um, but there are 800,000 young kids uh, who, who will not have anywhere to go if Congress doesn't try and solve the problem in a compassionate way. And I have sat down uh, with many of these kids and have heard their stories. Uh, many of them, or all of them who I have met, pay taxes, support their families, and contribute as a collective group uh, billions of dollars to the U.S. economy. Uh, you also could have a situation in many industries where, like agriculture, for example, uh, where you may not be able to, f to fill those kinds of jobs. I realize this is a very complex problem, uh, but I wish the problem was solved in a way that would be uh, skewed towards more compassion and empathy, while at the same time recognizing the need for border control and border security. Now, what you are doing here at this Opportunity Fair, you're helping people get the skills to get jobs. You're even doing interviews on site. Now, with the job market, we know that unemployment is low. Yes. And we also know that job openings are high. And we often hear businesses say that they're having trouble finding qualified workers. So how do we solve this problem? Well, I think what you're referring to is that there are a lot of job openings across the country based on the fact that there aren't workers who are skilled in those jobs that unfortunately are being vacant. In this particular situation, we have almost five million kids who need a first opportunity. And if you think about America, the, the word that comes to mind is opportunity, is the aspiration. 
And I feel so strongly, regardless of the color of your skin, most of these kids today that are here are African-American, Latino. Uh, regardless of your station in life, your sexual preference, your gender, uh, that the opportunity should be there to create a first job for you. So yes, there certainly is a gap between job skills and the openings, but we have a more serious problem. And the more serious problem is, we've got one of every six Americans that are food insecure at night. We have millions of Americans who are homeless. And we have five million kids, kids, uh, who are not in work and not in school. Now what we've learned, and this is so vitally important, is the kids that we've hired, over 40,000, uh, they are fantastic workers. They do not come to work with a level of entitlement or privilege. They come on time, we have low attrition. We also know they're contributing back to their families. So there's a flywheel effect on the employment of these kids, their self-esteem, their self-worth. And this is just a start for them. So I think it's, it's incumbent today given the polarization and some of the dysfunction in Washington and the lack of progress that businesses and business leaders do much more for the people they employ, the communities we serve, and, and also that we're not indifferent on the social problems that we are all witnessing. And as a result of that, I think we need to stand up and stand taller and get engaged in these problems in ways that perhaps generations ago we, we relied only on Washington to solve them. We need to solve them and that's what this jobs fair is about and I'm so proud of the fact that 40 like-minded companies have joined with us to make a significant difference in the lives of these young kids. Let's talk about advice for young people. Um, there's certainly a lot that they can learn from you. Now there's this great anecdote about you Howard when you were starting your first business, yeah. you were told no 217 <laughs> times out of 242 people. So Howard, what is your best advice for dealing with setbacks, disappointments, or rejection? Well, I think uh, you cannot go through life and not get rejected at, at, in any, at some point in your life, you're gonna be rejected. The question is, uh, no one should be in a position to tell you that the, the dreams that you have for yourself, the aspirations you have for you and your family, uh, should be denied. And what I try and provide the kind of advice to young people is, don't let anyone tell you that those dreams can't come true. But you have to be responsible. You have to put yourself in a position to win. You've got to find an opportunity to surround yourself with people who are a skilled experience and have the counsel and advice to help you. Uh, you should be in school and get the kind of education that you need and you got to put yourself in a position where you are going to will the things that you believe are uh, within your control and I think uh, getting doors slammed on your face is not a reason to quit. It's a reason to keep going and I certainly would not be here today if I allowed so many other people at a younger point in my life to tell me that the idea for Starbucks couldn't happen because uh, not many people believe that people would pay at the time two, three dollars for a cup of coffee with Italian names that nobody would pronounce and provide health care and, and employee ownership for the employees. Now Howard, you're also going to be conducting some interviews today at this Opportunity Fair. So what is your go-to interview question? Well the first thing I do is I, when I sit down with these kids, and I've done this now uh, many, many times, there is a level of anxiety and nervousness. I, I don't tell them who I am and they don't know, but they're anxious. So what I do is I, I just ask them to tell me, your, tell me your life story. 
and, and, and I get them to talk about who they are and where they come from, and all of a sudden they start relaxing. And as a result of that, then I ask them, uh, what is it that you really, really are passionate about? What do you love to do? And I try and connect, if it's not at Starbucks, with one of the other 40 companies here, there must be some thread of what they love to do and what they're passionate about with a company that's based in this environment today. Uh, and then I talk to them about what it takes to succeed at work, about what it means to take it personal, about under-promising and over-delivering, and doing everything you can to recognize that business in any company is a team sport. It's not about you, it's about the team. How do you make the team better? And are you a team player? Now, what have you learned from the younger generation? These kids are so smart. Uh, they know so much. Uh, you know, I have a benefit that my, both my kids are uh, digital natives and uh, they're teaching me lessons all the time. Um, they are an altruistic generation. They, consider, they, they are concerned greatly about the environment. Uh, they're concerned about the social issues, some of which we've talked about already. Uh, and I think this generation, more than any other, understands also the need to serve others. Now, we're nine months into the Trump presidency. What is the status of the American dream today? Well, uh, I, I think that, you know, the, the unfortunate answer to that question is uh, that it's a little blurry. Uh, and. Uh, I think for the, for the country to uh, really succeed at the level that we all hope it will, uh, opportunity has to be available to everyone. And we need to live in a more compassionate, more empathetic society. And if we can restore that, uh, I think the American dream will be alive and well and healthier than ever. Um, I am very optimistic about the future of the country because I have great faith in the American people. You wrote a powerful op-ed recently following the events in Charlottesville. In it you said, quote, we are in another period of grave division. You also went on to encourage people in positions of power to speak out. So I'm going to ask you, what can the business community do and what sort of impact can they have? I think the, the, the business community at large, public companies, mid-sized companies, small businesses, uh, are the lifeblood of the U.S. economy. And uh, if we take DACA as an issue, uh, uh, which again is a very complex issue, um, uh, we all can stand together and stand tall with one voice uh, in, a, in the most respectful way in creating the dialogue necessary with the government and the administration about what we believe to be the right thing. Uh, and I think the, the right word here is respectful. Um, we're in a situation today where the polarization and the dysfunction is, is uh, so uh, unfortunately toxic. And uh, when, you know, when I was a young kid, Republicans and Democrats disagreed, but there was compromise and there was progress and there was legislation that was best for America. Uh, business people throughout the country must encourage the fact that when you are sent to Washington as an elected official, uh, metaphorically, but it's real, uh, 
uh, you must walk in the shoes of the American people. And uh, there is only one America. Uh, I'm an American. Uh, I happen to be a registered Democrat. I happen to be Jewish, but I'm an American. And I feel strongly that I want to do everything we can to elevate the promise of America, the American dream, and see the country become, and our society become, more compassionate, uh, because that has been the foundation of, of our country. We, we, everyone that you're going to meet uh, in your life, through one way or another, came to this country as an immigrant, you know, through their parents or their grandparents. Uh, that should be celebrated. At the same time, the world has changed. It's more dangerous, and as a result of that, we certainly need significant controls and security at the border. But I don't think you can necessarily uh, uh, split the two in half and, and only have it one way. Now, it sometimes seems that in the business community, some folks are hesitant to speak out. You're known to speak out. You're known to not be a bystander. So what is the right way to approach it? I think the right way to approach it is not through the lens of politics and not through the lens of disrespect. But again, I think every company, every business leader must answer his own question, his or her own question, about what is the core purpose and reason being, for being for, of the company. And um, I'm of the belief that uh, no company, even Goldman Sachs, you know, which is a financial services company, uh, can be in the business of only making money. It's, it's a pretty shallow goal, and I don't think it's a sustainable way to attract and retain great people. So I think we have a moral obligation, a moral responsibility at, an, at a time like this in America and around the world uh, to speak out for the things that we think are important and true, uh, but again, not disrespectful, not against the administration, but what it is where we are for. And I think what I am for is a more compassionate, empathetic country in which there is a transformation of our economy and morality and culture. Now, when you do speak out on issues that you care about, some of these social issues, and sometimes there can be pushback, does that ever concern you that you might lose business in this polarizing yeah. time? Well, I think uh, we've been a public company now for 26 years. Uh, I think financial performance is the price of admission to be able to engage in these kinds of discussions. So we have to financially perform. But we also have taken the long view of building a great enduring company and not focus so much on the short term. Um, I, we've, we, we haven't spoken out on issues to be political. That, that's, that's not the issue. We've spoken out on issues that we believe are important to try and raise the national conversation and to use our scale for good. And I think that's, that's a very important component of this. We have stores in every community in America. About 100 million people come through our stores a week. And we ask ourselves all the time, how can we use our scale for good? How can we make our people and our customers proud of the ethics, the integrity of the company? We're not perfect. We make some mistakes. But if we're going to speak out on something, it's because we believe strongly uh, it's the right thing. Now, you mentioned that the country needs a moral and economic transformation. What does that look like, in your view? Uh, 
Well, in terms of the of an economic transformation, uh, the disparity uh, that exists in America and the millions of people who are being left behind, uh, the tax code, uh, and obviously the healthcare system. Uh, these these are, uh, I recognize, very complex issues. But for us as a country to move forward and for us to lead in the right way, uh, we must do it through the lens of compromise, respect other people's issues on both sides of the aisle, but we just can't sit here uh, and accept the status quo in which millions of people are not enjoying uh, the, the opportunities that most Americans believe should afford them if they work hard, play by the rules, and I don't think it's acceptable, and it shouldn't be acceptable for so many millions of Americans who are being left behind. Um, I'm not a politician, uh, but I feel strongly about the country. I love America, and I think I'm not alone in my concern uh, for the direction of the country and things that I think have to be addressed with civility, with respect, with honor, and uh, what I'd say, the, the kind of leadership that uh, evokes respect on both sides of the aisle. People would say that we are in need of leadership right now, so what to you makes a great leader? I think a great leader uh, is a servant leader, and in its most simple form is in the service of others. Now, Howard, you get asked all the time if you're ever going to run for office. So I'm going to ask it a little differently. What would compel you to run? What would have to happen? Well, I'm, I'm not in a position to answer that question because I, I really have come to believe that uh, this is a time in America where I can use my voice in the platform of Starbucks for good. Uh, and that's what, I can, that's what I believe I'm going to continue to do. Howard Schultz, Executive Chairman of Starbucks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.